podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Salah. Escape Cancelo. Oh, it's brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Son had a goal and still a beauty. Oh, what a strike from Yuri Tielemans. De Bruyne. Oh. And it is Wood. Oh, Martinelli Fortress. Still going up. Oh, he's done it again. Gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, A Tad Predictable, with your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, it's Guy Drinkle. It's game week 10, and you know what that means, it's time for another brand new episode of A Tad Predictable I am joined by none other than executive producer, Mr. Guy Drinkle. Guy, 10 weeks into the Premier League season, how are you feeling so far? Uh, I wish it was me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, look, uh, for you Liverpool fans, I guess the season hasn't quite started as great as you would have wanted it to start. And the fixture list doesn't get kinder. But we will, we we definitely will get to Liverpool um, in due course. But guy, we start off the Premier League um, weekend, and it's at three p.m. kickoff as the first kickoff of the weekend, which is quite weird for me. Um, you know, we've had a couple of Friday games. We always usually have the twelve thirty game. Oh, it it kind of staggers the games way too much for me when we've got like ten different three o'clock games and none at twelve thirty. Uh, but I guess them's the breaks, as Boris Johnson would say. Um, Guy, on this episode, we start with Bournemouth versus Leicester. Now, this may be a tease for later on in the show, but Leicester is one of those teams that looks like they were a cornered animal. They haven't started the season off well, and they need to get points on the board quickly and get into a rhythm and, and, and really start to get to a position where maybe they... But they aspire to be, they they hope to be, they usually are, but it, it's been a slow start for them. And maybe let me take this moment to further that tease, because in you know later on in the show, what I'm going to present to you with a list of five teams, right? And these five teams are teams that I designate as cornered animals. Now, either they're cornered animals you know, like a proper, like a tiger that's been cornered or something more vicious, or they're little kitty cats. And you're going to have to rank three of them, the top three out of those five. Um, I'm going to try and convince you. I'm going to make a case for all five teams, but you're going to have to pick your top three most cornered, dangerous animals, teams that maybe haven't started the season off well, but you don't really want to be playing them right now because they could they could strike back. Um, are, are you ready? Uh, are, you, are you feeling comfortable with that responsibility? I, I know we had Tad's top five recently, and that came off as a hit. So, guy, you you need to nail this list. It's, it's your it's your name on it today. It's your list. 
I'm a late substitute guest. It's your name on this. It's all over. It's all over this. It's to do with cornered people list. Yes, that's what, that's the title. Look, <laughs> <laughs> look. I know I'm the king of power rankings, but I, I, I'm I'm Switzerland in this case. Okay, you're gonna have to come. You're gonna have to decide. You have the deciding vote. Um, the, with the amount of times that the teams that I suggest to be the teams of the season for this podcast, they get rejected. I'm not allowed to officially call teams teams of this podcast. It's written into my contract. Now, all of a sudden, you want to just openly give me something like this? No, I'm not doing it. I'm going to be Switzerland. I'll best represent every team that I think should be at the top of this list. And then you're going to come up with the list and you're going to get criticized because it's not going to live up to Tad's top five. I mean, that that's obvious, let's be honest. But I think you should give it a go, guy. I think you should give it a go. I, I will. I will give it a go. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Okay. So before we get there, I'll warm you up with our first fixture of the weekend. As I mentioned, 3 p.m. kickoffs are the first ones that we're going to have this coming weekend in the Premier League. We've got Bournemouth versus Leicester. Obviously, Bournemouth had that nil-nil draw last time out against Brentford. Um, and if you're looking at their results since your beloved, or rather Dave's beloved, Scotty Twocoats, I'm not sure if you're as, in, you know, as you were as affectionate towards Scotty Twocoats as Dave was, but um, they've done quite well. Uh, two, three draws, a win, just the one loss in their last five games. But they're coming up against a Leicester side who had a comeback game for the ages, so to speak. I mean, it's a home game after an international break where if a team needed to fire a manager, international breaks are usually a good time to do it. And Leicester probably would have had reason to to do, you know, justifiable reasons to let Brendan Rodgers go. They had those losses, you know, at least four in their last five games losses. Um, and it's a Monday night game. You know the pressure is going to be on the manager because all of the, you know, EPL football is going to be watching this game. They don't have any other game to watch on a Monday night. And they pull off a 4-0 victory. Um, obviously, James Madison did well to continue his campaign to be on the plane to Qatar. But Guy, talk to me about Bournemouth versus Leicester. Yeah, just starting with Scotty Tuchel's. We were talking about the, we were talking about the Borough, uh, the Middlesbrough job the other day, and I said in the in because I'm in the background on the Zoom chat that if you went to Middlesbrough he'd be Scotty Freecourt and Dave ignored <laughs> it. So I'm saying it here because that is an amazing joke, and I want retribution. But yes, if we ever that will be that will be this title of this podcast, Scotty Freecourt. Um, but no, Gary O'Neill's done an excellent job. Um, Obviously, the nine nil against Liverpool, and everyone was like, "Well, yeah, they've gone, they've gone, they've gone to the championship already." Um, Gary O'Neill's came in. It, it's not been exciting by any means, apart from the um, the game against Nottingham Forest. But everyone's beating Nottingham Forest at the men, as we'll talk about with Leicester in literally a second. Um, but he has just settled the team into what any prem, uh, any promoted team needs to be, and that is difficult to beat. Um, not scoring a lot of goals, but not conceding a load of goals either. Um, I mean, two nil-nil draws. That's what teams should build their Premier League status on, is is horrendous nil-nil and one-all one, one all draws. And that that's what Gary O'Neill's done. Now, I'm not sure if it'll be enough to get him the job permanently, but I think he's done enough 
to be in the consideration for a Middlesbrough job that came up there struggling in the championship. I'm sure many there'll be a million other championship jobs, um, especially with Watford down there <laughs> um, uh, this year. So I think he'll, he's done enough here to show that he could probably get a crack somewhere else. But yeah, he's done a really good job stabilising. But I think the more interesting team is Leicester because Bournemouth are Bournemouth. I think this is probably what the best they can do is be tough to beat. Um, and that is about it. Maybe Solanke will settle in a bit more and might get some more goals. But, but Leicester... They've been rancid apart from uh, Monday night. Um, this obviously will come on with the uh, Corner Animal segment, but 4 0 against Forest. Now, is that Leicester being good or is that Forest being dreadful? I think it was more the I think it was more the latter, to be honest. I think Leicester were good and much improved because <laughs> well, they had people back fit. They actually had centre backs playing centre back and Didi back in midfield, and Tielemans looked bothered again. And as as you mentioned there, James Madison, who let's be, I think is yeah, might have one more year left on his contract after this one. He will be on the uh, big six radar. I'm pretty sure. Um, I think it may be a starting point for Leicester, but I'm not sure it'll be a turning point for Leicester. So I could probably see this one being a draw again because I just don't think, well, especially the way they've gone so far, I don't think Bournemouth will allow the sloppiness. And the, and the weakness that Nottingham Forest have shown, because playing Steve Cook at centre-back, it's never a good idea. It wasn't a good idea for Bournemouth all them years ago. Um, whereas uh, Bournemouth with, with Sensi, who seemed to struggle really badly under Parker, but I think he came in for Lloyd Kelly last game. Um, Chris Metham, etc. I think they're a bit more exposed to the Premier League than the Forest team is. So I, I, I'm starting on the fence today with... Oh, don't you dare. I'm starting, don't you dare. I'm starting with a one-all draw. Oh, why would you do this to me? The I bring you in guy. as a late sub, you know, behind-the-scenes talk, you know, I, giving giving the listeners a behind-the-scenes talk. You were a late substitute guy because um, we were going to have young journalist uh, Riley Finch on, but unfortunately there were inter- issues with his internet connection you come in as a super sub from behind the, the the behind the the glass so to speak the producer's glass and you come right in front of the mic and you and you come with a 1-1 draw for our first game i i don't like this vibe i don't like the start um i'm look i think Leicester have turned the corner and i'll go more into why i think Leicester have turned the corner when we get to our halfway segment a bit later on but let me just say for for this point in time it's it's a good back to back fixture list for Leicester you know you wanted that Norwich but uh, Nottingham Forest game at home Force of habit with Norwich there <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but you you wanted that feel good factor um to get that win and they did it emphatically then you go on to a team who as you said they they've started to make themselves hard to beat but it's still a team that this supposed version of Leicester should be able to see through. And if they do, it's just going to continue that momentum that they need to build where it's, it will be like a, a, a tough game, but against a team we should have beat. Um, and I think that's going to help them carry on that momentum. So I'm going 2-1 to Leicester. To hell with your 1-1. It ain't going to happen. Let's move on to our next game. Chelsea versus Wolverhampton. Now, Chelsea were involved in some controversy this past weekend, in my opinion. 
Um, obviously, Diago Silva was involved where, you know, in, in all aspects of the game, probably should have been sent off, ends up being involved in, in Chelsea scoring goal. Um, but they come up against a, a Wolves side who I don't think they get, they're expecting to have announced their new manager by the time they play Chelsea this weekend. Um, but it is interesting to me that they they finally backed Bruno Large only to pull the plug out, out from him um, early into the season. Now, in the caveat of this season, I looked at it, or the chasm of this season, I looked at it and I said, why are they letting him go, especially so soon after finally backing him? And then you sort of peel things back a little bit and you look back to how they ended last season as well. It really wasn't impressive, guy. I think they've got one win in their last 14 or 15 games, um, do Wolves. So it's, it's kind of justified where they were going there. The only issue I have is they didn't have a ready replacement by the time they fired him. And they had a whole international break to sort of start getting people ready and in place. Um, so I'm a bit disappointed with that. I think Chelsea will be up against a Wolves side that, they don't really know what they're going to get. So that could be good or bad for Wolves. But so far for Chelsea, they're getting points on the board. Um, two wins out of their last two games. And they come up against a Wolves side who I've been raving about Wolves' midfield from the time that they finally got that third piece in their midfield. Um, but they've not been able to have someone up front that can put things away. Um, we saw uh, Costa coming off the bench last time. I don't know if he's ready to start a, a game in the Premier League yet, but they're coming up against the Chelsea side, who, for me, I think have similar problems in terms of putting the ball in the net, um, you know, on a regular basis and 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 putting teams away in a regular basis. How do you see this game going? I'm, 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 I think Wolves can fashion chances. I'm just not confident in their finishing abilities, unfortunately. So I don't, I can see Chelsea keeping a clean sheet in this one. But I'm going to go with a 1-0, a modest 1-0 Chelsea win. I don't think they're going to be able to put Wolves to the sword. Wolves are going to stay in this one. Look, it, I know it would have been music in your ears for me to, to predict a 1-1. But unfortunately for Wolves fans, I just can't see where that goal would come from. Um, yeah, how do you see Chelsea versus Wolves? What is the most powerful force in football today? New manager bounce? They don't have a new manager. No, no manager it's, bounce? It's the power of narrative. What does Diego oh. Costa provide? Narrative. Oh, fair. Narrative. We're going to all. Oh. <laughs> getting a late brace from Diego Costa. Uh, but no. We're it's rolling a, back the years. <laughs> it's, it's a tough one because... I'm just checking... Yeah, Nathan Collins is still suspended. I have no idea who's going to play in defence for Wolves. Uh, obviously, um, Bruno Large obviously play, he played Neves back there, didn't he? Um, in a, I think he played a back three with Johnny as well, which, yeah, bad idea. Probably why he got sacked. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe they... I'm not even sure who the standing manager is or whatever the hell their experience is or whatever their new formation would be. But... You mentioned it. Their strength's the midfield. Don't mess about with the midfield. I know Joe Matinho played, who's a good player, but he is 112 year old. Um, just keep Neves. If I'm keep... not mistaken, as well, Neves hmm. might have a ban. I think Ooh. he's got five yellow cards oh, already. Oh, he does. Yes. 
He does. So oh, I'm changing my I'm changing my predictions. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's not good. So I'm guessing it'll be a young lad at centre back. I think they've got Muscara, uh, Pedro Neto's. Oh God. Yeah, I'm definitely changing my prediction. I've looked at the injuries. <laughs> good lord. That's hard. Well, it's, it's, it's quite not, the list. Yes, it's not harsh on Bruno Large, but there's so many caveats of what's happened here because, good Lord, that's a lot of injuries and suspensions. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to change mine to Chelsea. I'll go. I'll still think Wolves will nab a goal because I think we're still see, seeing the teething issues with with, um, with Graham Potter. Um, I'm going to go two one Chelsea. It's injured because. I was devastated after Liverpool. I've not even watched match of the day, so I have no idea. I know I saw the uh, Thiago Silva incident. No idea how he didn't get sent off. Um, but yeah, I think there's still issues there, and I'm not sure if it'll be this season where we see the benefit of a Graham Potter taking over. But I, the Wolves are in horrendous form, and unless they get the managerial appointment right and he has an instant impact, they may be one that. Unexpectedly, for me anyway, maybe gets dragged into the actual relegation scrap later in the season. But yeah, two on Chelsea just for the sh- the sheer amount of people in. I mean, just to quickly go through them for Wolves, if my laptop would be slow. Chiquinho, Collins is suspended. Uh, Ruben Neves suspended. Jimenez injured. Kaladze injured. Huang Hee Chan injured. Pedro uh, Pedro Neto in. That is literally their whole front line. <laughs> Their captain, their big signing of the summer uh, in Nathan Collins, and their exciting young talent who they signed in January. So basically, they're screwed. So yeah, Ch- yeah. Chelsea don't win this one. Good Lord. <laughs> good Lord. And you mentioned good Lord. Good Lord, what the hell is going to take to stop Manchester City? Because they're the next fixture for us, Guy. Man City versus Southampton. The sole remaining undefeated team in the league. It's a freight train that's led by one of the most devastating forces that we've seen in this league. Um, just looking at the amount of hat-tricks he's gotten in a short space of time just puts into emphasis how well Haaland has hit the ground running. Just how many? I know it's harsh, you know, when 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 you're looking at, you know, they're playing Southampton, it's at the Etihad. But I don't think it's too harsh to ask how many can they score against Southampton? And from a Southampton perspective, I mean, you would have looked up um, after that disappointing result against Everton, you know, where you just narrowly lose to Everton and probably feel like you should have gotten a lot more out of that game than, than you know, getting a 2-1 loss against a team that really sat back and, and counted a lot on you. I mean... And then you look up, you know, you're heartbroken about that. You're frustrated and you're like, you know what? We can bounce back in the net. And then you realize you're playing Manchester City away from home. <laughs> They've got one. I mean, I, I, I really don't know. I think the thing for me, and maybe it's a defeatist mentality to have, but I think Southampton need to go into this game trying to keep the goal difference as low as possible. Just hope that City are concentrating on the Champions League and do a professional 2-0 win and try and focus. But the, they've just got... ...up in the 60th minute and the likes of Holland and De Bruyne go off the pitch. They've still got guys that are going to come on who want to maybe make a stake a claim to be able to play in some of the other games. So even their bench is going to be hungry in this one. 
So I'll ask again, how many can they score against Southampton? What's the most powerful force in football today? (laughs) 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 Gavin Bazunu, Man City's product. (laughs) He's going to have the game of his life. Um, Bazunu revenge game. Exactly. Well, and the other 25 people aside from Man City this summer. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Southampton, after quite a promising start to the season, they they just stink again, don't they? And they deserve a harsh word like stink. Look at the last, like, I don't, they lost to United, fair enough. They played quite well in that game. But losing to Wolves, we just mentioned their troubles there. Aston Villa are rancid, lost to them. Everton, imagine not drawing with Everton. Imagine not drawing with Everton, love a draw. Love it. Even Liverpool I'm surprised they're not your favourite team with the amount of draws you predict on this very podcast, guys. It's very true. <laughs> it's very, very true, but it is Everton. Um, but God, yeah, the, the last three games have just been torturous, and I imagine that's where... This is the pattern we see from Southampton. They have a good spell. They have a dreadful... Like, not even a bad spell. They have a stinky spell. Like, dreadful. Worst team in a league spell. And then they, I don't think they'll beat City, but then they'll beat or draw with Man City and then they'll stabilise for a bit, then they'll be dreadful again. There's just no middle ground with Southampton. They are either excellent, or I was going to say, I, can't, I remember, we don't do swear. We are, <laughs> they are excellent or dreadful. No middle ground. Um, and yeah, you, you're right there. I think Southampton are somewhat of a bogey team for, for City, but... I'm guessing Lavi is still injured, who has probably been their most important player of the season. He is still injured. He might make it back next week, but I don't think he's going to make it back for this week. Right, okay. So that, to be fair, would you risk him against City anyway? It's probably pointless. Yeah, Haaland's getting 12. Um, <laughs> Phil Ford will get another 10. But no, it, the City, the only thing that is literally to talk about is the narrative of Southampton being a slight bogey team and having eight ex-Man City players. But Man City will win this game, should win this game, will win this game. Uh, They are sloppy defensively. Let's go with 5-2 to Man City. 5-2. Look, I mean, two goals. I I think Southampton might be happy with that. I, I, I don't want to speak on behalf of Southampton fans. But five two isn't that bad. Like I mean, it's a low scoring sport as is, is is football. But yeah, considering the 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 behemoth that is Manchester City at the moment, look, I've I've gone four one to Manchester City. I have given Southampton the goal, and I'm not confident in that goal. But I do think maybe some people might relax a little bit once they've secured the win, so to speak, and and Southampton can sneak one in there. But yeah, just. Best of luck to Southampton. They're going to be hoping to keep the goal difference as low as possible and, and basically come out of this one with... If they come out of this with anything, I, I think you might as well just give Hasenhutl the 10-year contract. Because as you say, we all know it's going to be great and it's going to be poor. There's no middle ground for them. Um, but Guy, a team that I think kind of has found a middle ground uh, is Brentford. They're, they're looking like a team that is destined to stay in the Premier League this season and sort of just become that that middle-of-the-road Premier League team who can throw their weight around sometimes. And as I say that, I'm looking at the league table and they're currently in 10th, 
they're the definition of middle table at the moment. Um, they travel to St. James's Park. It's Newcastle versus Brentford. Now, from Newcastle's perspective, I thought the red card um, in their game against Fulham kind of swayed the performance. Um, but I think Newcastle still had to put in a professional performance. You know, a team goes down to 10 men. We've seen teams struggle to break down those type of teams before. But they just went, they did the job, they moved the ball around quickly, they got some disappointing, um, they got some some very good goals and sort of got rid of those, I thought they had a few few too many disappointing draw, draws over the last couple of games. Yeah. Certainly in the last five games, they've had, I think, three draws. They had the loss and then they've had the win as well. So it. I mean, they find themselves in seventh. It's a very, very healthy position to be in. But I'm looking at those last five games. And the loss for them is that 2-1 loss to Liverpool. So the, looking back at the way Liverpool have been playing, they'll probably be disappointed with that result, especially, you know, with the whole Should controversy with, with, with the time. I mean, look, I thought live by the sword, die by the sword. I, I actually thought the ref did the right thing, adding back the time that Newcastle wasted. We don't always see that happen. So... It's worth it for Newcastle to try it out because refs usually only add about half of that time. So it would have worked if this ref had actually done what refs usually do and not follow the rules. So, yeah, I think they'll be hard, hardly done by. Could have probably thrown another draw in there. But they're coming up against a Brentford side who, as I said, they're, they're starting to be that middle team for me that I'm judging other teams by. They're a tough unit. You're not going to win quite easily against them. But if you beat them, I'm looking at you thinking, okay, you might be you might be onto something this season. So I think it's a really good benchmark test for this Newcastle side that's still got a, a few players that are betting in to see where exactly are we in, in the pecking order of the Premier League and, and how much can we do. Do you find that as a fair assessment? Yeah, there's certainly a, a good... Um... I don't even know what the term Barometer. Is. Barometer, that's probably it, yeah. Um, they just are like, the gatekeeper of top-half Premier League, as you say. It's just, they are tough to beat. Don't score a million goals, but there's undoubted quality in that area of the pitch because I think most people would agree Tony's one of the better out-and-out strikers in the league, but I think that does a disservice to his all-round game because I think he can do, in, do the dropping deep and linking play stuff. Um, they, ju- they just... <laughs> Saying they're just average is kind of disrespectful. They're just like fair, fair. F- sufficient at everything, which probably doesn't. It's probably worse than calling them average, <laughs> but they're just they're just decent at everything. Like I think individually, the defense isn't the best. I think the midfield's probably one they could improve upon. And if Embuemo ever figures out finishing, he'll be a very good player. Uh, I like Wissa. Um, I'm seeing loads of that Lewis Potter kid. Um, but yeah, I'd like Tony, as I say. Um. It's just a, it's a tough one because Newcastle obviously had the really good game against Fulham, but as you say, the red card probably skewed that, and I think Mitrovic went off injured and stuff like that, didn't he? Um, if I remember correctly, but they still do have a few injuries. Uh, Dalo's out, backup keeper. Who cares? Uh, Isaac's out or Isaac's out. Um, Shelby, so Maxima might be back. Richie Kraft. So it's not a load of first teamers, to be fair. So I might be overblowing this a bit. Um, I am actually overblowing that because I don't think any of them had started apart from Alan Maxwell <laughs> and his and his act, obviously. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe just fight getting these people back fit because I think 
the concern with Newcastle is always Callum Wilson. I know they bought Isaac, but Callum Wilson is the one who's proven in the Premier League to score goals. That's why Newcastle were tragic at times. Well, and having Steve Bruce as manager was probably the main reason. But they are tragic at times. But they're blunt. Even in the Eddie Howe bit, they were blunt up front. But when, when Callum Wilson is fit, I think it just knits well together. Um, I think Newcastle will pass this test. I think it may be a bit of a tight, ugly game. I'm going to go 2-1 Newcastle. And they're going to pass that test because... Especially if Sam Axman's back and that Man City game is still just stuck in my head where he became the best player in the world for our half of football. <laughs> um, which includes Haaland being a freak. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just... Yeah, a good, te- a good test, as we say. And I think Newcastle will pass that test because I think most people had them in the top eight, but that was before West Ham and Leicester decided to forget how to play football for a little while. So maybe top seven is is a realistic aim for a team like Newcastle now. And that would be very, very good for them to get into Europe. Um, sort of, I think that pushes them maybe a season or two ahead yeah, of when definitely. they're expected to get there. But yeah, I, I do like the fact that Brentford have officially been announced as the gatekeepers of the Premier League. Whether or not, I don't think we've had the discussion yet. And I've just realized that now, you know, earlier in this podcast when we were talking about how I don't get much say, damn it. But we haven't necessarily picked a official unofficial team of the podcast this season so that's definitely something i'm going to put onto the um production meeting um agenda for next time out and next week i will reveal who mm. has been decided as the unofficial official unofficial nottingham forest need your help today that's all i'm saying <laughs> i'm tired of picking teams that just go down I feel like I'm cursing teams. That's if true. you get picked by this podcast, you've gone, you've been relegated. Who do we want so... relegated? Uh... <laughs> we'll see. We'll Pick see. Everton. We'll see who gets Pick that Everton one. Or United. Um, I can't do that. I can't do that. I can't just cannot do that. But yeah, look, I've gone. I've gone a one-one draw. I think they're the gatekeepers for a reason. And Newcastle, they would probably need a few more of those injured players to come back just to bolster the squad and give them that that final depth that they can bring on late in games and sort of win games late on but I think I think Brentford are the tidy team that they are and they're going to make it tough for Newcastle so I've gone with a 1-1 draw in that one now Guy look no Potter no problem for Brighton um they were very unlucky not to take all three points at Anfield um Roberto De Zerbi comes in didn't really change much in the system for now which I think helped kept the momentum going because why change when there's not really much broken with the team um, to start the season? It's just that, you know, I, I, you know, I don't think they can begrudge the fact that Potter got this opportunity and chose to take it. But lo and behold, they're above Graham Potter's Chelsea at the moment. They're in fourth place. They're in a Champions League spot. Um, but as I said, Guy, they should have won the game against Liverpool. Within the first 15 minutes, they should have at yeah. least been 4-0 above you know some spectacular saves from Allison. Yeah. Um they take on the Tottenham side who for me I thought had a disappointing showing against Arsenal in the North London derby. Mm-hmm. Now some might say this result has been coming following the performances this season from Spurs. The thing for me is so Conte ball is effective but it's not always pretty, right? Last time out you know it was it, it was neither pretty nor effective for me. Because it it would take some argument to convince me that 
that red card was necessarily going to change the result of the game. Um, I thought Arsenal controlled the majority of the game. Um, Spurs had their moments, which is, you know, what Conte ball is, is try and keep the score close and back our front players to to be clinical enough to, you know, get us to the draw or the win, whatever the result ends up needing to be. But I just thought Arsenal won a good momentum in that game. And I, I'm not sure the red card would have necessarily um, changed the result more so because the red card went to Emerson Royale. And I thought Bartolelli knew from the first minute that I've got this guy's number and I'm going to take him on all day. And I think Martinelli probably would have produced something against uh, Royale if it wasn't for him not being on the pitch. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to an interesting game. Brighton, we know, love to control possession and and be kind of in your face. They're going up against the Tottenham side who Tottenham, we know, don't mind giving the ball away as long as they can pick you apart in the counter-attack. Now, in the past, Deserbi sides have been susceptible to transition football, um, like conceding a lot of goals in transition football. But Brighton have been good at preventing that so it will be interesting to see how he tweaks things if he does tweak much things and then from Tottenham's perspective they had that midweek I guess for for fans it would have been disappointing you know the the nil-nil against Frankfurt in the Champions League for me I think Conte would have been happy with that you know I think he would have gone in thinking win my home games don't lose my away games and and so with that in mind I don't think the draw away from home in the Champions League was necessarily a bad result. I think he'll be confident to to see out the the group with the remaining games that he has at home. But yeah, he has to now flip the switch, get concentration back on the Premier League. This is one of those tests for Tottenham players who maybe haven't been in the Champions League for a while, where you've come back home from a, from some people's eyes a disappointing result away from home in the Champions League, you then have to travel to Brighton. I know it's not as far, um, you know, coming from London, but they still have to travel to an away team that's a very good Premier League team and currently in the top four, sort of three points behind you, but they've got a game in hand. So they could actually leap you if they if they get a favourable result here and the goal difference goes their way. This could be a bogey game for, for, for Tottenham. How are you, how you evaluating this game? Kulisevsky's injured. I don't think Tottenham's team works without Kulisevsky. Um mm. He just adds balance to the attack. I think he helps get the best out of Kane. And to be fair, Son, Son maybe less so, but I think that's more about individual form. Obviously, he had the great game against Leicester, but that's when Leicester were forgetting how to play football. <laughs> um, and I think he did well for Korea, to be fair. Um, but... I think I'd make Brighton favourites within this game, you know. I think I will, and I think I shall. Which is obviously a curse, so well done Tottenham on the win. <laughs> um, but I, I just think, you look at, at Royale, I, I think he probably is the safest, probably the wrongest of words there, but I'll go with it. I think he's the safest option at right back, because I think he just does what, apart from stupid stuff, like, Tackling someone shin high, I thought it was a bit harsh at the time, but probably right as a as a as a more I saw it at the time. Um, but Doherty, meh. 
he obviously didn't like Jed, doesn't want Jed Spence and doesn't like Jed Spence. So I think Royale's probably the one just by um, default. So it'll be interesting to see what he does in this game. Maybe he'll play Perisic on the right, uh, Sessignon on the left. That's probably the most most likely one. Um, but without Kulisevsky, that I just don't think it works. I think the midfield midfield's a bit boring. I think Basuma should needs to start. Well, I think he just needs to get a run um, by Conte. Whether it's, I think Conte has mentioned lacks the tactical understanding on the role, but I think he just got a role with him at some point because I like Heisberg. I think Benton is really good as well, but I think Basuma can just bring an extra level of control in in, in games. I think that's what they were missing. Obviously, counter attacking football is a big part of Conte, but at moments in games you need to control the game, and I think. Basuma over Heusberg, I think that will allow that if Basuma gets back to his best Brighton levels. Um, the defence, it's just individually meh, but it works well as a collective. Um, but Brighton, I think they're only missing Morder and Mwepu. And I think I like Mwepu and Morder's obviously long-term injured, but outside of that, I mean, Trossard's excellent form, if anything, looks more dangerous in, in, in the Deserby team because he's playing closer to Welbeck. Um, and look, they have options. That Japanese lad who came on at left wing back gave probably tortured us more than anyone in the day, and that's Trossard who got a hat trick. I think he was only on for for twenty uh, odd mins, if that. Um, so they have options. It'll be really interesting to see. But I think with the imbalance in in Tottenham's attack without Kulusevski, I'm going to go with Brighton. I think the way they played against Liverpool and Liverpool were tragic on the day. Don't get me that wrong, but. That do a disservice from Brighton. They played excellently. Welbeck just absolutely battered us all day. Trossard was the uh, bit of quality they needed. I'm going to go three two Brighton. Oh, what a game! Mm. The, what I, a game! I, I, I may be wrong, but I, I remember Brighton beating Spurs a couple times, and I think they drew last season. So I think they might be slightly bogeyish team anyway. But with the added quality we've seen this season. Yeah, I think it'll be an interesting game. And that game, if you're in the UK, is going to be the 5.30 game on Sky Sports. If you don't have Sky Sports, guys, there's only one solution that you need. Definitely link up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider, and you can check out their services at libertyshield.com. You guys can save with the new coupon code EPL25. It gives you 25% off of your router, or if you go with the software VPN option, it's a virtual private network, which is a technology that encrypts your internet traffic to protect your online identity, hide your IP address, and shield your online data from third parties. You can change your location, you can avoid geoblocks and government-imposed restrictions to access any website, which is great for, you know, if you do want to find a way to watch the Premier League games. Most of the time, I'm using either Supersport, the South African, um, or DSTV, the South African provider. Um, I just plug in via VPN, via my Liberty Shield, who is, I understand, the number one ranked VPN on Trustpilot at the moment. So, I mean, guys, what, what more do you want than that? Um, you guys can also go check out the EPL Index shop. You can find it on Etsy if you use the coupon code EPL10. You can get 10% off at checkout. And guys, Christmas is coming sooner than you think. So it's, uh, using that EPL Index shop is a great way to get some nice Christmas presents for some of your family and friends. But 
guy, for me, for this game, um, I'm definitely going to be watching. I don't have a choice. I have to watch this game. Um, but I'm excited to watch this game because mm. I think it's going to have similarities to what Tottenham faced midweek in the Champions League. They faced a Frankfurt side who were very tidy on the ball, had a lot of movement up front. They didn't necessarily have set players. that They, they had people that were running in that front line from left to right, right to left, moving in and around. And it was a bit difficult for um, Spurs' three centre-backs to sort of man-mark or decide who was marking the players that were running you know, those diagonal runs. So if, if Brighton can do something similar... They could cause problems. I'm going to channel my inner guy, Drinkle. I'm going to go for a draw in this one. I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. Pathetic. I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. I know, I know, I know. Just because Jordy can, can hear you. <laughs> Give me that. I'll plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> but um, you know what? Just to take the heat off, let's cool down a little bit, guy. I'm, let, let, let's go on a break, um, and we'll be back with you guys after this short break. And we are back. Uh, Guy, I hope you've had time to sort of center yourself, calm yourself down and get composed because it's time for the segment that I was teasing before we went, you know, before we went into our fixture list today. It's the cornered animal power rankings. And as I've said, we know that when it comes to power rankings, I've been flawless with my power rankings of Premier League teams, of Premier League players. So there's a lot of pressure on you. The standards are pretty high when it comes to power rankings on this podcast. But how it's going to work is... I'm going to give you a list of the top five teams that are cornered animals in the league. You're going to have to decide of those five, which are the top three cornered animals in the Premier League in power ranking order. Now, of course, we have to define a cornered animal. Now, a cornered animal is a team whose, it's a sports term when you are backed into a rough place and you're going to do everything you can in order to claw your way out of that situation. So you're going to have to decide who is the most dangerous team of the cornered animals on the one side of the spectrum and who are just those, those teams that are actually just little kitty cats. They're not going to cause a problem to anyone. They're not a concern. They're just a little... A little, little kitty cat um, of the teams that I've chosen. Now, are you ready? Just li- this is living in like 4D with the sound effects. I love it. <laughs> oh, I am ready. I was born ready. All right, here we go. No pressure. Power rankings. Uh, this podcast is known for their power rankings, and I've gotten them all right. Guide, no pressure. Um, okay, the first team that I'm going to go with, and I'm going to start with the team we used to tease this segment. It's Leicester City. Now, Leicester City, obviously, we know what they've been this season. It's been tough sledding for them. It's been quite hard for them to to sort of put their foot forward to be one of those teams that we, we usually expect Leicester City to be challenging for the top four. It hasn't gone that way this season, Guy. They, fi- they found themselves bottom of the log. They found themselves in horrendous form. As I mentioned, they hadn't won a game in a good long while. Um, and then they, they met Nottingham Forest. And Forest obviously laid down for them, gave them that 4-0 win. The, the, the Leicester faithful, so to speak, were faithful to Brendan Rodgers. He was 
able to deliver a result for them. They come up against the Bournemouth side that obviously has improved a little bit, but maybe you're starting to fancy Leicester. I mean, if there's a definition of a team that has started to come out of that corner, I'm going to have to say Leicester. Leicester are one of those teams that have come out of the corner. And I'll move on to my next team. I'll let you simmer with that one. I'll move on to my next team. And it's a team that did lay down for Leicester. It's Nottingham Forest. Now, I know, I know, I know. At the moment, at this current point in time, they're not maybe one of those animals that you would consider to be a full-on, deadly, cornered animal. I know at the moment they're sounding a little bit like this. You can barely you can barely hear them. They 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 they're chirmering. But guy. I'm, I'm going to say this. Look at the squad that they currently have. Look at the players that, if they gel, what they could possibly become. We know that Steve Cooper is not a bad manager. He's a good manager. And if given the time, I think he can turn this around and turn them into an animal that you thought you had them beat and somehow they come out scrapping, especially those small animals that you expected them not to do anything dangerous. It's the small spiders you have to worry about is all I'm going to say with Nottingham Forest. And we will move on to our next team, which is West Ham United. They had that all-important game against Wolves. They ended up beating Wolves 2-0. They get Wolves' manager fired. They're coming into a a London derby against Fulham that we're going to speak about a bit later on. Now, for me, I think that West Ham have a solid squad. We know what they're capable from last season. Maybe they had a bit of a hangover um, last season. You know, it, it's a long season. It's Europa League. We all know that that's hard. It's hard to 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 come back from a Europa League season. Um, we've seen it in the past, but I think they've started to correct things. I think they're on the way up. And if we judge them based on that result against Wolves, I think that they're on their way up. And if I, if it's for me, if I was going to give them something, I, I think you can see where I'm leaning when it comes to. West Ham. We'll move on to the second last team. It's Crystal Palace. Guy, they were a team that was one of the official unofficial teams for a tad predictable. One of the only official unofficial teams that didn't get relegated as a as as a team of a tad for predictable podcast. Now, I think that their performances have been good, but the results haven't shown that. I'm looking at, for example, the draw against Newcastle last time out. The loss to Chelsea, we mentioned the potential red card that could have been. Um, they had that um, game against Liverpool where they performed quite well. We know the 3-1 win over Crystal uh, over Aston Villa recently. I think they're a good team. They've just been really unfortunate with their results of late. So I, I think they could be quite dangerous and it's a team I certainly would not be wanting to play, especially if it's at Selhurst Park. But we will get to them a bit later on guy the last team on this list now for obvious reasons i've kept it as the last team because you are the substitute on this podcast obviously if riley had been on i'd set up for west ham to be the last team but is there a team that could possibly define what is a cornered animal than liverpool football club we saw them change formation in the champions league this past um, week they looked a little bit better, looked a bit more solid. Whether or not they stick with us this weekend, it's going to be interesting to see. But 
what does a cornered animal need? It needs a reason to fight. And if they don't fight against Arsenal, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be Man City versus Man United ugly because Arsenal are looking hot at the moment. So, Guy, give it to me. Rank your teams from three to one for your cornered animal power rankings. Right. So, third, I'm going to go with West Ham. Oh, okay. I like the little trend. Like, I don't think it was amazing against West Ham, uh, against Wolves. But they started using some of the newer players. We saw, I think Paquette has been starting anyway, but we saw more of him. We saw Skamaka start up front. We saw, I think, Corne is injured, but we saw it. So the transition's still there. We saw, uh, I can't say his name, Kehera? Kehera, no, can't say it. The German right-back, centre-back. We saw him at right-back, which probably suits him better at the minute because centre-back was not working. Um... Emerson's not very good, so whatever. Who cares about him? <laughs> <laughs> but I like him starting to use the new lads and playing Fulham, who I think have a, lot, a decent amount of injuries and suspensions, etc. Uh, I think Pellini might be back, so it might be harder to beat them. But I think that's a good time to play Fulham, maybe, if Mitrovic is still uh, injured. I'm not sure. I will check in a sec. Um so yeah, I've gone them third, but if he reverts back to Antonio with Lanzini behind, it's just I think that's that, more a kitty cat. That's a kitty that cat. Is, that is that's like that's like ashes on the mantelpiece cat. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, if he keeps up the the changes of using the newer newer younger lads, I think that could be a cornered animal right there. All right. Okay. So we've got West Ham. As the third team on the list. Who's number two for you, God? Nottingham Forest. Oh, the team bottom of the log. They haven't won a game in God knows when. They've won one game this season. They've had one draw. Six defeats, minus 15 goal difference at the moment. The worst team in the league. You think they're dangerous? You think they're poised for something? They're playing Aston Villa. (laughs) And then Wolves. This is the time. It's the time. You've got to unleash the lads. Stop playing championship finished players. I like it. Unleash the lads. Unleash the lads. Get all the Nigerians up front. All of them. Yes. All of them. Dennis, Iwani, there's probably some more. Can they bring that that World Cup kit, by the way? Oh, Jesus. Imagine. I'd buy 12 of them. Um... Oh, such a travesty that Nigerian at the World Cup. Um, anywho, but play all the lads. Bin Lingard off because he looks so unbothered. It's untrue. Morgan Gibbs White, Nigerian lads, Mangala yes. in midfield. Uh, whoever with him. Um, get Serge Aurier is just pure vibes. Get him in the team. <laughs> it will either go really well or really badly. No middle ground whatsoever. But vibes is what we need. And vibes is what a cornered animal. Well, probably isn't, but I like vibes. <laughs> but yes, play play some more lads like that. Just fix the attack. The defense is trash, but I think they need uh, Niakate and um, Bade in the team, um, and then whoever the hell else with them. But the quality is there because a warning looks good. Maybe not the best finisher, but he looked dangerous. We know what Dennis did at Watford. Morgan Gibbs-White, they spent a bazillion pound on. Bin Lingard off. Play him in his favourite position. 
let him play with them lads and yeah let's go because when I saw them earlier in the season they looked interesting but since a few injuries have crept in I think Neocart is probably a bigger and biggest injury Mangala started the season well as well get them back in the team get a bit of structure been off the terrible championship lads and unleash the Nigerian lads yes alright guys so they're in second that leaves one spot left. The team that's going to top your cornered animal power rankings, give it to me. It has to be. This is going to end up badly. Christ, it's Liverpool. It's Liverpool. It's Liverpool. I think them. I think people might call this bias, but give it to me. Give me the reasons why Liverpool first on your cornered animal power rankings. We're playing the two biggest lions in the jungle. We're playing Arsenal oh. and Arsenal are then basically Godzilla over there, Man City. <laughs> um, Arsenal, we we know the record. Diogo Jota and Bobby Firmino own Arsenal at this point. No, I'm just, I probably don't want. I don't think I want. To, I don't think I want Firmino to play at this stage. Yeah, it's just gonna be, when it's three 0 to Arsenal at half time at the weekend. It's gonna be fun. But we see we seen midweek. Liverpool changed formation. We changed tact. We went four two three one. We had Darwin in there, who, for all his flaws and his annoyingly bad finishing, he's a pain. He's relent- relentless is the word. Like he's I think he's twenty two, twenty three. Twenty two, let's go with the movements God, the Sons Timo Vernery. The movements there, the threats there, the passion there. The link-up play with Salah's there. Um, Jota did quite well in that secondary, number 10 second striker role. I think maybe build a bit more. Luis Diaz is basically the definition of a corner animal. These next couple games, I I think this is probably the biggest one, where I think Forrest will either just still be bad and West Ham will still be meh. Whereas Liverpool, they'll either get embarrassed or they'll return back to where they belong. They're not going to draw. They may draw against Arsenal, but they're not going to draw against City, especially not in a boring way. They're either going to get pumped five 0 or they're going to like make a massive game of it where it's four three or something like that. So I think this is either going to be the best shout ever or the worst shout ever. And maybe it is biased, but Liverpool have to, the promises there. If you the four two three ones there, no James Milner. Henderson was better, but I still want to see Fabinho and Thiago in that midfield as a two. Darwin, Moore, whoever is the 10, Diaz, get it done. Get Ibu back in, because I love Joel Matip, but Ibu is just different. Like, everyone's loving William Slaber at the minute. This lad's different. This lad's different, Gravy. Maybe not against Arsenal, because that'd be bad. Narrative. Bad narrative. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Keep Matip for that. But Trent was better in that formation, so I think... As long as Klopp doesn't do the cowardly thing, back to 4-3-3, get Trent exposed, plays Henderson there and he buggers off doing nothing up front, getting in people's way, leave Fabinho exposed, stick with this formation, go at Arsenal. Who's gone at Arsenal this year? Man United's the only... Well, they didn't even go up, they just counter-attacked on him. But we, yeah. can, we can still go at Arsenal. We can put the fear of God in them. If, if there's any team where the definition of backed into a corner, it's Arsenal and then it's Man City, your next two games. You have no choice but to come out swinging. 
even if you get knocked out by the heavyweight champion, at least go out swinging. So I, I, I endorse that. I endorse guys cornered animal power rankings. We've got West Ham in third, Nottingham Forest in second, and Liverpool Football Club are the number one team on guys cornered animals power rankings. Guy, I love that segment. I thought you did well. I thought you handled it well. I mean, the pressure was clearly there. Um, sort of, you sort of were a cornered animal, considering how good the power rankings have been on this podcast. Mm. So I've heard. Um, but guy, let's move on to a team that didn't make your top three in the cornered animal power rankings. It's Crystal Palace. They go up against Leeds. I'm very intrigued by this game um, because both sides are kind of teams that could be spicy this season. We've not always seen it from them, but there are performances that stand out. We know that 3-0 Leeds win versus Chelsea, for example, is one that um, stood out quite well. But then it kind of stuttered a little bit after then. They haven't won a game since that game. Um, And they come up against that Crystal Palace side who we've spoken about at length, um, you know, over the past segment, where basically they're performing well, but they're not getting the results. So what score are you going on with this one? It's a tough one, because um, Palace, I don't think, like, I, I I could have watched, well, as I said, I didn't watch much of the, but again, it feels like Crystal Palace haven't played a game this season, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was, I think they literally went like a month without playing, um, and they didn't have the Champions League to fill in like a team like Liverpool, so maybe it was rustiness, but by all accounts, they probably deserved a point or more, considering Silver should have been sent off, and I think he got the assist. In that game, um, the only maybe not the only. I mean, the main reason I didn't put Palace or consider them for that last segment was I just think they're fine. They've had they've played Liverpool, they got a draw, had Man City lost, what everyone does, and they've had Chelsea, who still Chelsea. They've had a really tough start to the season. They're fine. Run six points, but they're fine. Um, whereas Leeds. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> um, they look tougher to beat, but they got beat five two by Leeds, so that doesn't really make uh, by um, by Brentford. The gatekeepers, yeah. yes. So it doesn't really make sense. But that Villa game was a travesty. That out of all the games I watched that weekend, I didn't watch the Manchester derby because the worst F one race in history was on. I watched Leeds nil, Villa nil. <laughs> so what was oh, I doing? Yeah, I don't. I can't remember the Everton game, but it was probably boring. Losing to Brighton, fair enough. But the beating Chelsea, I don't. I have no idea what type of team Leeds are. I feel like they'll be fine, but I can't say that with any confidence whatsoever. Um, I'm going to go with a almost boringly steady Crystal Palace in this game. I think. One, two, one, Le. Le Two one Palace. Two one Palace. I've got one no Palace. So we both yeah. got the Palace win. Um and as you say, that probably means they're fine. You know, they they they've had some tough fixtures. But let's move on to a team that did make just about made your your top three in the cornered animal power rankings. It's West Ham. They have that London derby against Fulham. We've mentioned the injury list for Fulham, and my God, is it long? Um a lot of those names aren't coming back anytime soon either. They'll be sweating over the fitness of Mitrovic. I think Fulham go where Mitrovic goes, in my opinion, this season. And if he's not on the pitch, I, I don't think we can analyze 
too much other than to say that the wounded animal, the, the cornered animal, that is West Ham, comes in facing a, a team that's wounded. So rather the cornered animal versus the wounded animal. And in that sense, I'm going to go with the cornered animal every time. I'm going to keep it short and sweet here. I'm going to say that West Ham win this game 2-0. Yeah, that's a horrendous injury list right there for Fulham. Uh, according to Premier Injuries, Mitrovic is out, Kazawa, Solomon, Tete, who the hell's that? It's William. Probably helps. His name's got William. It says Pellini suspended, but I think he was suspended last game, so he might be back. Um, yeah, he comes back. He yeah. Comes back uh, this Robinson, Chalaba's out, Wilson's out. That's a lot of stars. Um, I don't think. What's that, what's that lad they called who was at Spurs who they signed to the striker? I can't remember his name. What's his bloody name? Their backup striker, the one who was at Spurs. You will know his name, listener. Um, him. Yeah. Uh, I'll find him. I'll yes, find him. Yes, you Go find on. him. You find him. Look at Fulham Sand. Um, he, I, I like him, but he's not Mitrovic. Like, I think he's a good signing. I think they're going for like five on Vinicius. Him. Vinicius Jr. Not to be mistaken. Not to be mistaken. That would be a very interesting <laughs> signing for Fulham. Um, but Carlos Vinicius, there we go. Yes. Um, I like him. He's not Mitrovic. Um, they're just not the same without Mitrovic. He's just a tank. He's a horrid go tank. On. Give the score then. Yes. Uh, God, I forgot who they were playing. West Ham. <laughs> yeah, but, West Ham. I've given two nil. Yeah. Join free, me. Free join, one. Join the, free, join free the wagon. Free one. You're giving them a goal. I am. I think West Ham still have that sloppiness in them. I think. Fair. All right. Well, a team that certainly has that sloppiness in them. They're your number one yeah. ranked team in the current power rankings. Liverpool Football Club. My oh my, how the mighty have fallen. Coming up against Arsenal, the top of the table, Arsenal. Um, look, Arsenal are flying high at the moment. Nothing. There's nothing you can say to Arsenal fans at the moment. If, if you if you hear uh, the amount of we're going to win the league videos I've seen in the past couple of weeks, still knowing that City have Haaland. So I, I, more power to Arsenal fans because if you're looking at that freight train from hell that is Manchester City just clawing back at you, and you're still very confident you're going to win the league, then fair play. And you know what? As a fan, you have all that right. If you win every single game for the rest of the season, you win the league. So fair play. But they come up against the Liverpool side, who they've not fared too well against Liverpool in recent past. But also, when was the last time that Arsenal came into a game against Liverpool and were probably the outright favourites? I don't think... Well... I say I don't think even the most hardened Liverpool fans, but then again, I think of the most hardened Liverpool fans and they would probably go in and say Liverpool are the favourites for this game. Somehow, it makes no sense to me. But Guy, Arsenal versus Liverpool. Can I give my score first or do you want to give yours? No, you, you go first. I've gone 3-1 to Arsenal. Oh. Uh, I, I do not trust Klopp to keep the formation that he used in the Champions League. I think he's going to go back to default. For this game. And the moment he does that, Martinelli is going to take one look at Trent. He's going to, in his mind, switch and think of the happy days that he had, he had against Emerson Royale. And I think he's just going to repeat that. Um, yeah. And I think it's going to be down to Liverpool going back to what's been troubling them, opposed to just saying, we're the cornered animal. Let's go all out and just break Arsenal down with that four attacking players system that we saw in the last game. Um, the two holding midfielders that kind of screen anything 
defensively. Uh, yeah, I think they revert back to normal and it's going to be to their detriment. I've gone 3-1 to Arsenal. What score have you got? If if it does stay the same, I, I think Arsenal will pump us. I think, like, Jacka, Granite, Jacka, terrifies me. If we, Granite, Jacka. And he's playing on Henderson's side. I know. It's Henderson versus Granite Jacka. Oh, God, Jesus Christ. That's what bloody piss. Uh, nearly, nearly so. Um, that's what. Just letting the midfield. That's what dreams are made uh, of, guy. That's a midfield midf- battle for the ages. Letting the midfield rot and just. Ugh, God. But if he reverts to type. Uh, God. I, I think it might be worse than 3 1, to be honest. I think they'll cut through, as you mentioned, Martinelli there. Jesus will go off onto that side as well. Um, yeah, Zinchenko helps with the midfield so much in that regard. Um, and the midfield of Liverpool can't deal with a fast winger, never mind if a left-back fills in the midfield as well whilst the fast wing is doing stuff. So that will uh, just not go well. But if we if we keep with a 4-2-3-1, I think we might be in for a mad game. Because... We're not used to that system. Um, I feel like if we stick with the four-two-three-one, we can cause Arsenal bother. Because Darwin, what if we if Darwin Nunes plays? One of Gabriel or Darwin Nunes is getting sent off. Or Shaka. I can see well, either just, of those. Any just, of those. That's just a given. If you're mentioning a red card shot, Granite Xhaka's in there. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like them two will just annoy each other all game, gain on each other's toes. And we've seen with Gabriel, Saliba seems like unflappable. Um, so I wouldn't be annoying him. It seems a bit pointless, even though he's, I think he's in 19 or 20. So maybe just because nobody's really tried. But Gabriel, we know. He's got an error in him. I'll do, I do like him as a centre-back, but he's a, he, he's a pothead at times. Um, go 4-2-3-1. Get Liverpool a 3-2 win. Oh, but oh what a game. If it's 4-3-3 and we have Elliot or Henderson on the right... Thiago, Fabinho left on his own. 5-0 Arsenal. <laughs> well, look, we'll move on to a team that recently saw a, a, a similarly horrific and embarrassing result. It's Manchester United. They travel to Goodison Park. Now, Guy, usually Goodison Park against one of the traditionally big top, you know, big six um, in Premier League terms, is usually a game you want to watch because it's going to be spirited. The fans are going to be up for it. My worry, though, is every time Man United go to Goodison Park, it seems like Everton just lie down for them. Um, so I, I don't have faith, despite the, the the sort of recent good form that they've had. They haven't lost a game in their last five games. They've got three draws and two wins. There's back-to-back wins in those games. I'm worried about the way Everton usually play Man United. I'm going to go 2-1 Man United. Uh, screams a draw, but logic and Everton doesn't always go. But I'll go one all. I think Man United, yep. it, this is just a game that does not suit how they play. Like we, we know maybe this is a game where Ten Hag can test out actual Ten Hag ball rather than just doing counter-attacking stuff because... Everton do not want the football. <laughs> they they will actively give you the ball. Um, so it'll be an in, interesting test to see if Man United have developed anything in terms of breaking down the team and 
being coherent that way. But yeah, I'll go one all because Everton are just horrid to play against. Um, and someone up front will do something. And if is Calvin, that's a good question. Calvin Lewin against the Andre Midget. Um, where is he? Calvert, God, they have a lot of injuries. Calvert-Lewin's 50-50. Calvert-Lewin against Lissandro Martinez. Let's go. One all. Calvert-Lewin's back with a goal. <laughs> what a way for him to endear himself back to Everton fans. I'm sure they would have been frustrated with his injury record of late, but nothing that a goal can't fix in, in, in a game of this magnitude. Guy, we'll end the podcast off with a team that surprisingly made it into your top three wounded animals. You justified it well. Um, it made sense. They were second on your wounded animal list. They come up against Aston Villa. Now, surely, if they're second on your power rankings, your cornered animal power rankings, they need a result in this game, right? And I don't think a nil-nil counts. Villa are horrific. Um, absolute tragic to watch. Um, where are they in the league? They're 14th. Them six teams should get fired. Everyone should get fired. Um... <laughs> Good lord, Southampton's one of them. Don't go, but that that game against Leeds, Jesus Christ, it was dreadful. Um, they're just easy to play against. They have no attacking structure. They're quite easy to play against. Although I think the midfield, they got injuries there. Kamara got injured and stuff like that. Douglas Louise in, in a combative game, I don't think he's the ideal six. I think he's a good player uh, or an okay player. Um, but John McGinn's dreadful. Uh, they had Esri Conza at a right back. Cool. Ash, <laughs> Ashley Young's playing. Um, Nottingham Forest, Nigerian lads. Two one to the Nigerian. I've lads. got the exact same yes. scoreline. Two one to Nottingham Forest. Let's go. Let's go, Nottingham Let's go. Forest. This is your time to come out punching. Come out swinging. Your bottom of the log. You've got nothing to lose. What's the worst that could happen? You still end up bottom of the log. So they need a result here. Um, yeah, I'm worried about Aston Villa. Uh, uh, as I've mentioned, I think Lampard and Gerald are the two worst managers in the league. That's just the way I see it. I don't think they have the tact- tactical acumen of any of the other managers in the league. And I think Steve Cooper's got something lined up for Gerald in this one. So yeah, I've gone 2 1 to Nottingham Forest. I agree that this is a perfect game for them to sort of get a result. It's at home. Start that charge, you know, that charge to survive in the Premier League. But, Guy, that is going to do it for another episode of A Tad Predictable. Thank you for being such a good sport, coming on as a late substitute, um, taking the responsibility of the Cornered Animal Power Rankings. Uh, Do you have anything you want to plug, put over, or promote before we wrap up? Um, tomorrow I will be back on a show called Euro Incision over on Anfield Index. I am, well, but I will be joining uh, Nina Kauser to look through, well, Liverpool's game will be the focus, but we will also touch on the other games. Um, I am watching Leipzig v Celtic in the background as prep, I shall call it, for that podcast. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's what I will be doing. And yeah, rate don't hate. If you do follow the Liverpool side, rate don't hate. We'll be back. The Brighton game just took its toll and I couldn't be bothered. But as long as Arsenal don't pump us 5-0, that will be back. Well, it would make for interesting ratings if they no. do pump you. <laughs> no, it won't. 
Well, guys, from my end, go and check out all of the content on EPR Index website. We have match previews, post-match reviews, player performances, all of the news that you guys could wish for, especially if you want to sort of keep an eye on who Wolves end up bringing in. As I mentioned, they don't expect to be bringing someone in before they play Chelsea this weekend, but it's definitely one to keep an eye on. Um, of course, there's the daily podcast show, the Two-Footer Podcast with Dave Hendrick. Finally, also go check out the flagship show that runs weekly. It's the EPL Roundtable, where Kev DeVries sits down with panelists from respective EPL teams. They do reviewings and previewings of the happenings around the EPL. That's usually out late on Sunday or early Monday morning. Um, follow this show on the Twitter page at ATADPredictable. Um, interesting, you mentioned that red card for, for Emerson Royale and whether or not you thought it was one at the time. Um, we had a poll that was going on at the time that it happened. It ended up 50-50 after over, you know, we had quite a few voters in there and the the, the poll ended up at 50-50. So I thought that was quite interesting. So yeah, guys, go and interact with a tad predictable on Twitter. Let us know what you think of guys' um, cornered animals rankings, whether some teams you would have added in or not. I'm sure we'll run a poll on that one as well. Um, follow EPL Index on Twitter. Subscribe to the EPL Index podcast channel on your podcast providers. Give us five stars. Write positive comments. That stuff really goes a long way. I've been Tadio Chenakira. You can check out um, all of my stuff on Twitter. It's at Tad Predicts. Huge thank you to Obi Semenya. He's at John Empire SA and Jody. She's at Spursy One for One for the guest intros. Our producer. He's usually behind the glass. He was in front of the mic today. Mr. Guy Drinkle at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chino Short. Podcast Network.